having come and gone during the pandemic, the 50th anniversary of Earth Day was a milestone in the environmental movement. In the past 50 years, there has been a renewed interest in preserving natural spaces and caring for them in ways that will protect them for generations to come. Kristen Bellantuono from the Connecticut Department of Environmental Protection joins us today to talk the Sky's Limit Trail Challenge, Passport to Parks program, and all the activities this summer will bring to our state parks. We'd like to thank our sponsors at Gateway Community College and Housatonic Community College. The Municipal Voice is the Connecticut Conference of Municipalities podcast in collaboration with the NHH LP 103.5 FM. I'm your host, Matt Ford. As always, be sure to give us a like and let us know what you're thinking in the comments. CCM's Municipal Voice podcast continues to present a key forum in important state local issues. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect consensus views of CCM or member municipal leaders. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. This isn't the first time we've had someone from the Connecticut Deep on the show. The commissioner was on a few years back, but a lot has changed since then. Mm -hmm. Most notably, you know, for all of us, we had a pandemic, which yeah. certainly in the, the first year there, so there's a lot of, you know, uh, emphasis on the social distancing and, you know, being outside, which at least from my perspective, seemed to drive a lot of new people out to the parks and to, you know, discovering the park. What was that like at Deep and has some of that uh, influx of new people stuck around? Gosh, uh, absolutely. In so many different ways. Um, as unfortunate as COVID was for so many reasons, there's kind of a um, silver lining, we'll say, with that. We had so many more families, um, groups, people in general kind of get outside to um, embrace, um, play, have fun, walk, mm -hmm. hike, um, just enjoy basically our natural resources and our everything that our state parks and forests have to offer. So that's been kind of our biggest thing. Um, huge um, thanks probably to our park staff, our maintainers, our supervisors for all that they've done to, we never closed. You know, essentially mm. there were times that with the exception of the evenings, we didn't close. We were always open, um, you know, always giving it, I'll say 150% to the best of our ability to keep the parks clean. And there were some days, you know, we were definitely overrun with people. Yeah. Um, which can be both good and bad, but, you know, definitely trying to provide that, you know, outdoor safe space, healthy mm -hmm. space where people could go escape with each other, with their friends, family, have meetups, you know, that what they determined was that safe distance. But mm -hmm. I think that's been the um, both positive and negative that, you know, as much as COVID was there, I think it allowed people um, in general to kind of get back to connecting with each mm -hmm. other, with themselves, the outdoors, um, especially. And I can truly say with a lot of the programs that I run, I've definitely seen that as as can our other, um, everywhere across the parks yeah. as well as our forests as well. That's great. That's like, you know, a lot of people put in a lot of hard work over the last few years to keep everything going. Was mm -hmm. Connecticut prepared for that influx of visitors to the parks or did it kind of catch everyone off guard? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think we have such amazing staff that, that works in our park and forest division that state parks in general, that I think they were up for any challenge and mm -hmm. they've been able to definitely um, live up to that. But I don't think, you know, anybody really knows, you know, what it's really going to look like. What We've never been in a pandemic like this. So we didn't yeah. know what to expect, what it would, what the outcome would be. You know, you listen to the news, you listen to the press, you listen to, you know, the, the weekly mm -hmm. updates that we were getting, you know, in our agency. Some people are in the office, some people are out of the office, some people are full time in the field. Yeah. Um, so I think it was, you know, we did the best that we could. And I think we did a one heck of a job um, with that. I know, you know, a lot of the programs that I ran, we were still doing programs. Mm -hmm. um, you know, 
sometimes with a distance, sometimes remotely, sometimes with Zoom, sometimes with Teams, you know, trying to figure out all the different ways that we could still offer opportunities and ways to kind of connect and I'll say get outdoors without physically being there with each other. We still, Mm -hmm. we definitely leaned on technology quite a bit uh, during that time frame, but, you know, I think we're successful. Um, You know, I'm sure we've learned a lot along the Mm -hmm. way, Um, but again, we had never been through something like this. So I think it's a a huge learning curve and um, the, the park and forest staff, amazing people that did a wonderful job and continue to do that job. And, you know, I'm glad that I get to work for such a great group or with such a great group of people. One of the big reasons that we wanted to talk to you today specifically is we're coming into summer now and we're excited about the 2023 Sky's the Limit Challenge, which is to keep folks going to our incredible parks in Connecticut. Can you tell us a little bit about Mm -hmm. the challenge and this year's theme, which is in, under, over, and through? Yes. So this is, gosh, the eighth year of the program. Okay. Uh, I believe it's the eighth, yes. Uh, started back in 2015. So, um, you know, it's kind of morphed a little bit, but it's really mm-hmm. a way to get people outdoors into our parks and forests and specifically onto our trails, albeit short trails, long trails, mm-hmm. a little bit of everything. Um, I took over the program several years ago. Um, so I've tried to do it more thematic in the terms of mm-hmm. each year, something kind of um, around a particular theme. Like last year was um, Best Kept Secrets. So okay. with different locations kind of across the state that whether you think it's a best kept secret or someone else, like something mm-hmm. unique, different, special that we did. So um, we all know Hammond Acid like, okay, and some of those big parks. And th- these were yeah. the, the little exciting yep. pocket parks and the, the ones that are out of the way. Exactly. That was cool. And so we wanted to kind of have a little bit of everything. So you have big ones, small ones, close and far, mm-hmm. um, truly kind of balancing as much as we can across the state because we know Connecticut's not the largest state, but it does take sometimes about an hour and a half to get from one side of the state to the other. We don't want anybody to feel kind of slighted in a sense, you know, kind of the upper, you know, northern, um, southern, kind of eastern, western, and somewhere Mm -hmm. central location. So decide to go with the theme in, under, over, and through. Uh, You might be in the middle of the forest, Mm -hmm. um, underground, on a linear trail, um, up in a tower, just kind of Mm -hmm. something a little bit different, kind of picking a little bit of what we've done in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, We do have 110 state parks, 32 state forests. So you can't help but repeat some of them because the locations are beautiful, Mm -hmm. the opportunities that these areas offer, the trails. Um, But with the Skies and Women Hiking Challenge, it's really, it's open to anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, It's all free. Uh, We just try to get people outside together, enjoying themselves. We tell them where to go, what trails to see, what Mm -hmm. to look for, what photographs to take. Um, So we try to make it as, I'll say easy as we can. You mm-hmm. don't have to be a novice. You don't have to be an expert. We just want people to really get outside and enjoy, you know, what our mm-hmm. parks and forests have to offer and specifically our trails, um, you know, and our walking spaces yeah. and hiking spaces have to offer. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that, you know, there's there's harder trails and easier trails. Is that something you have to take in mind with things like this, like accessibility to, you know, people that might not be as mobile, that there's some easier ones they could do and still participate? Yep. Absolutely. So we don't want to feel that anybody feels um, deprived from participating. Mm. So, you know, again, every single trail doesn't fit every single person's ability level or um, interest. So we have some longer trails, some shorter trails, some flat trails, some that are more, um, you know, uphill or a little mm. more strenuous. So we want to kind of cater to the the greater good, the greater group, whether it's a family that wants to go out there, whether it's a, um, an older retired couple that loves to go out for mm-hmm. walks every day, a Boy Scout troop or Girl Scout troop, um, you know, just some friends that say, hey, we have a free Saturday. Let's, you know, let's go to a location yeah. and I'm feeling strong today. Let's go try mm-hmm. to, you know, 
challenge ourselves a little bit on one of these trails. We want something that kind of fits for as many people as it can. Obviously, it's not perfect for everybody, mm-hmm. but we want to definitely have a lot of offerings in there. And you're not required yeah. to do everything or you can do some of it or all of it. We just kind of put it out there for folks to participate. Um, this year, there's 15 specific locations. Mm-hmm. So if you hike all 15, you submit kind of according to the rules. So we basically ask you to visit the site, take a couple, I'll call them selfies or mm-hmm. uh, site photographs, and then submit those to us at the end through a Google form. If you do all that, we kind of collect that information. You get a Sky's the Limit hiking certificate, mm-hmm. uh, Sky's the Limit um, hiking medallion, and then your name goes in for a chance to win um, one of 50 hand-carved hiking sticks oh, cool. um, that are made by our sawmill. Uh, we have a gentleman by the name of Jim Moore who collects, okay. he and his staff collect the different branches um, that have fallen. Generally, they're all from our different state parks or forests. Oh, that's very they cool. They take those, they kind of reclaim those, they do those. So cool. basically, the, the chance for for folks to win those. So typically around January 1st is when we have kind of our get together, mm-hmm. um, kind of our celebration where we draw the names live in front of everybody. You don't have to be there in person to receive your hiking stick. And people get really excited about that. Yeah. So it's either the, the Sawmill Jim Moore and his staff um, mm-hmm. that do that, or we've worked with the Connecticut Woodcarvers Association in the past, and they were incredibly generous over the years and surprised us this past year with an additional 50 hiking sticks. So we had 100. Oh, wow that those participating were able to get. So people were super excited about that. So we just kind of called everybody's mm-hmm. names and said, okay, I know the rush is here. Everybody wants kind of that unique one. Uh, the hand carved hiking sticks have a little unique, um, like chiseled uh, leaf or some type of mm-hmm. fern or something in it. Um, some people, you know, they like the color, the size. Everybody has yeah. a particular um, feel that they want. You know, the hiking stick has to be the right size, the right shape, the right color for some people. Um, so that's kind of the, the big mm-hmm. draws for that. Um, but as long as you do, you know, a majority of those, I think I want to say it's 10 this year out of the 15, mm-hmm. or maybe it's maybe it's eight, um, you still get your certificate and hiking yeah. stick. And the other um, great thing that we've added within the past couple of years is um, the canine friends. So we have most people, mm-hmm. a lot of people that love to hike with their dogs. Mm-hmm. So if their um, dogs participate, they get um, a sky's the limit, bright orange hiking um, bandana. So, oh, that's cute. you know, so they're, People are well aware that they're out there, especially during kind of the hunting season where you want to have the proper mm. color um, color gear on there just to, to let the, you know, kind of hunters know, hey, I'm out here <laughs> yeah. and with my furry friend. That's so cool. So you said there's uh, 15 that are focused on for this year, right? And yep. five yep. rail trails, exactly. 10 state parks. Now, for yep. a lot of people, yep. when we hear rail trail, we think about bicycles. Can people also mm-hmm. walk on those trails? Yep. Some people walk, some people hike, some, te- some people bicycle. So another reason we want to include those rail trails this year, so it's not limiting the sense you don't have to just walk, you don't have to hike. Mm-hmm. Um, you can ride your bike, you can take the scooter or whatever, you know, the wheelchair, the, you know, whatever you like to, you know, bring out there, uh, especially families, you know, it's very flat and straight. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of be able to, you know, grab the whole family and everybody can kind of be together, whatever type of mode of transportation you're taking, whether it's walking, the stroller, the bike, um, whatever it is. So there's definitely mm-hmm. ample opportunity with um, a lot of those rail trails. Oh, that's very cool. All different ability levels can do this. Um, but on mm-hmm. the, you know, the yep. tougher end, are there some trails mm-hmm. and opportunities in the state where people might need legit hiking equipment, carabiners and, and that sort of thing? Generally, not to that extent, mm-hmm. um, but there's some that kind of might have a little bit more in terms of elevation, say, kind of that elevation climb, um, a little more strenuous in that sense mm-hmm. of if you're, 
you know, a little hesitant about that, you definitely want to do a little bit, kind of look at the information we provided, mm -hmm. maybe do a little homework kind of on your own. We included a lot of other ink, links and information to, yeah. um, you know, all trails and in particular, this was a wonderful um, partnership specifically with Sky's the Limit. We've already been, Deep has already been working with the Connecticut mm -hmm. Trail Finder with Yukon. So they've done an amazing job of trying to put all this information together mm. in one place to kind of provide some of those other detailed information about the height, the, um, the levels, the mm. steepness, the terrain um, that, you know, I, me, myself, and, you know, the seasonals that go out and actually hike all these locations, look mm -hmm. at all those, um, you know, kind of a broader perspective and a broader yeah. view on, you know, what these trails look like. But generally, really to, to answer your question, you know, we're not scaling mountains. We're not scaling, you know, something that would, you know, risk someone's, mm -hmm um safety but yeah. you know there are some people that might take it to that next level we provide you to you know x trail they might say you know what i'm going to go on y and z why i'm here and that's what we love about it so we're giving you some information kind of some tools for your proverbial toolbox mm -hmm. and then people can go with it after that because we definitely have yeah. some people that are true novices the others that are i'll call them experts but love to hike and love to mm -hmm. do you know some of these linear trails rail trails can be five to ten to forty miles long so yeah. You know, we ask you to do a certain amount, whether that's you call it starting at point A, going to point B and coming back to point A, or if you want to, you know, strategically place your car, vehicles and people to mm -hmm. drop you off and pick you up, you have every right to do that. We're just trying to give you kind of the information and mm -hmm. then you can kind of choose your, I'll call it your adventure that yeah. you want to take. If someone's interested, you said you gather that information, work with UConn, where would they go to find that info? Is that on the website or something like that? So that is in it will be eventually on our website. So mm -hmm. it's just about done. So I don't want to, I guess I could probably release part of it, but I'd rather have it when, you know, all 15 locations are mm -hmm. up and ready to go. Um, so there are some, the trail finder, is it trailfinder.com, I believe. So mm -hmm. if they just kind of Google trail finder, um, Connecticut mm -hmm. trail finder, they'll be able to, it'll take you right to the Yukon site. So there's all yeah. sorts of abilities and opportunities that you can do there, kind of create your own account, Mm -hmm. log your miles, log all that stuff. So initially for this particular year, we're utilizing it as kind of a base to mm -hmm. added information, added resources. And with the hopes that next year or the year after that we can utilize the Connecticut Trail Finder for kind of all encompassing, you know, as Christian Bellantuano, I go out there to participate in this. I can manage my whole, yeah. you know, sky's the limit program, schedule, hikes, distances, you know, competition with friends, like everything is kind of one-stop shopping. So mm -hmm. The folks that you kind of been amazing and I've learned so much myself on uh, a couple of the other deep staff that I'm working with have kind of our GIS folks, our uh, rec trails grant people, just it's been wonderful to kind yeah. of see that collaboration come together with everybody that has such knowledge and expertise where, yes, I put the program together, but it's wonderful to work with these other folks that can, you know, make me realize there's so much more yeah. than like this little, um, you know, the hiking trails and the walking trails, but now we can kind of put it together in a much bigger, broader program. Yeah. Um, for folks to utilize. There's always something new to learn. Yes. And so, you know, we're not doing anything extreme on these hikes. We don't need, you know, special extreme sports equipment, but is there other equipment that people right. should be thinking about when they're going hiking, you know, even if it's just sunblock or just other safety precautions they should be taking? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. So kind of on the site ourselves, you know, we kind of give you some suggestions, but again, mm -hmm. everybody's needs and wants might be a little bit different, but generally always having kind of call it the backpack, have that with bug spray, suntan lotion, um, water, um, snacks, you know, kind mm -hmm. of those regular things that you would need, you know, definitely have kind of maybe a change of clothes or other layers. Uh, you know, it sounds like this backpack is going to be so big, but it's kind of the basic yeah. things because you never know 
if the weather could change Connecticut, we kind of have a, a little bit of an idea mm-hmm. of, okay, the storm coming in. It's not like it's going to roll up on us. But you just have to be aware of kind of the temperature and the weather and kind of conditions out there, knowing full well that throughout the whole season, our program starts in March and goes to basically December. So what it looks like in March, mm-hmm. as compared to kind of the spring, the summer, and the winter is also very, very different. Because obviously in the early spring, a lot of areas get very wet, generally from the snow melt. Granted, we didn't have a lot of snow this year, but some of the, the recent rains have definitely mm-hmm. made some areas a little muddier, um, yeah. a little more difficult to kind of maneuver you know, just kind of the, the, the bag itself always, mm-hmm. you know, have an extra charger, the cell phone, and probably most importantly, most people still depend on kind of the cell phone to go to Google the map or go onto our mm-hmm. website or all trails. But it's always good to have still have that physical paper map because yeah. you just never know when the battery will die. You don't have service. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't kind of have the basic needs. And again, a novice person, those are the people that we're going to, you know, just getting in the hike and say, you know, mm-hmm. these are what we recommend that you use. But someone who, you know, is out on the trails three times, four times a week, they probably have it set to a very. Yeah, they, they, they know what their equipment so is. Yeah. They, they know exactly what they're doing. But, it, you know, definitely you want to be prepared and aware. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely let people know ahead of time, you know, if you're hiking solo, where you're going, when you expect to be there and get home. You know, definitely the safety always comes first. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially during different parts of the year, especially during the hunting season, you know, you want to be aware of where you are um, before you go out. You know, just be yeah. aware that some of these areas, there might be hunting nearby. You have, whether it be your orange or some other type of bright colored clothing that kind of mm-hmm. alerts those around you that, you know, you're truly hiking. You and, don't want to go hiking in camouflage you know, necessarily. No, not at all. That would not be a good thing. Um, but in general, it's, you know, to everybody's credit, you know, whether some people like to wear um, you know, particular type of clothing, you want something mm-hmm. that's going to allow you to to breathe. Some people want their trekking poles or their hiking stick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most importantly, sturdy shoes, whether it's hiking boots, hiking shoes. Um, now there's all different types of, you know, you walk into REI, Ella Bean, there's probably 40 different mm-hmm. types of all-weather shoes. And I think yeah. it's, you know, everybody's comfort level too, but it's just really being prepared to have kind of the basic necessities, the proper footwear, um, knowing the weather conditions, whether mm-hmm. it be sunblock, bug spray, uh, those type of things. And yeah. uh, most importantly, definitely be very, very careful. The ticks I've heard, you know, watching a lot of the hiking sites, you know, the Facebook sites and, and other friends, just the ticks are out there yeah. and you got to be very, very careful and be very, very aware that before you go do your check. And especially when you finish kind mm-hmm. of do that check from head to toe, you know, just to make sure I always carry one of the, the lint brushes mm-hmm. um, with me when I go, even the smaller, oh, the little yeah. one, cause it fits nicely in my backpack. Let's kind of go over um, I saw something actually yesterday that made me laugh that someone had taken duct tape or some type of sticky mm-hmm. tape and wrapped it around kind of their ankles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when they came out, you know, obviously a tick or whatever type of bug, it's stuck there. So you're not going to miss it. But it's almost like flypaper. It might look ankle, a little yeah. funny on the trails, but you're safe. Um, yeah. You know, I and think it, does it bug spray on, help? Uh, does it ward off ticks? Are they one of the bugs that it will help kind of fend off? Um, a certain type. There's so many different types out there and, you know, mm-hmm. some are more potent than others. Mm-hmm. And again, I think too, a lot of that is personal preference where I, you know, in general, we wouldn't recommend one over the other. I think it's truly personal preference and some people are allergic to certain things. Other people are not. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, kind of find the one that's best for you. Um, but it's always you know, good to physically check after kind of, a hike, make sure there's no ticks. Yeah, that's it. That's it doesn't matter what time of year. And, you know, I, I've said that to yeah. my kids when we're doing our family programs. It's always like, you know, sometimes you forget until after you're like, oh, I feel something on my leg. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it's one of those that definitely check and recheck sometimes while you're on the trail. If you happen to go through, say, a, a really brushy area or an area mm-hmm. that, you know, might make you think twice to go, huh, let me just double check that, especially if, you know, a lot of our um, friends to bring their dogs with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've definitely got to make sure, you know, just as you're going to check for yourself, but definitely make sure that you give a check to the dog or, or yeah. whomever else. And are dogs susceptible to some tick-borne illnesses just like we are? Oh, definitely. I I have a dog myself and, you know, I'm mm-hmm. very careful with that. You know, I took her up for her morning walk today and it was like, yes, we're just kind of walking on the main sidewalk, but there's some grass areas and mm-hmm. I kind of do my full check on her as well. You know, she has her monthly flea and tick um, that we give her and some other other things that are recommended by the vet. So it's so far so good. Fingers crossed. She's been okay. And yeah. um, don't get out in the trails as much as we'd like to, but we do more of kind of the neighborhood walks. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets too easily disconnected by everything and everyone. So we try to stay a little more local. You are listening to the Municipal Voice on WNHH 103.5 FM. In the, the Sky's Limit Challenge, there's uh, 15 different locations. I know it's like asking mm-hmm. someone to pick their favorite child, but do you have a favorite yeah. of those? One that, you know, is interesting or that you mm. discovered later in life? Goodness. Wow. That's, I guess I have to be careful how I answer this one and who's listening to this. Um, gosh, I don't know. I mean... I'm just kind of peeking down here at my my cheat sheet here. Wow. I think all of them have a kind of a unique something that I've enjoyed. That's why mm-hmm. I kind of chosen them. Oh boy. Um, I probably have to say um, one of the, the airline, tra- the airline trail, the um, linear trails. Mm-hmm. I think probably for me, probably the Farmington Canal Heritage Trail, just because that's a regular go-to place for us. I live mm-hmm. in Bristol, Connecticut. So it's very, you know, kind of very close and I can yeah. go, you know, all different parts of it. So I think that's one that, um, it's kind of near and dear. Um, yeah, it does cross into a lot of different on, towns too, but uh, by its nature. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, started years ago with parts of it being done with my daughter when she was in Girl Scouts and, you know, meeting up with some friends here and there to kind of take a nice walk, have lunch. Um, you know, and, and a lot of these trails too, there's so many wonderful things nearby. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm uh, being kind of the the tourism for Connecticut, but so many mm-hmm. of our Skies and Limit hikers, they put together kind of a program for themselves. Some will, you know, visit one of these locations and find the local restaurant or the ice cream shop yeah. or the donut shop or the candy store. Others are going to the breweries, the wineries. Um, so I think for me, the proximity and the location, mm-hmm. um, that's why I kind of chose that one. But yeah. I mean, there's something to everyone here. I mean, just kind of jumps out at me, Chatfield Hollow. We've mm-hmm. done a lot of programs there in the past. It's just a beautiful park, beautiful location, so many trails down there. Um, you know, that's one that I've I've yeah. always enjoyed, you know, kind of visiting that park. Um, but I think each one, you know, if I had all the time in the world, I could probably go through each one and tell you specifically, I like this one because. Yeah. There's, some, there's <laughs> um, something to like in all of them. But I think each one has, a, yeah, there's kind of something unique or fun or different or that stands out you know, with each location, I'm hoping too, with the program, that when our, our participants are out there, some of the photos that they're submitting, mm-hmm. they're capturing things that we might not have noticed, we didn't see. There's one more recently that they saw an eagle. Um, mm-hmm. One of the, the air, I don't know, I can't remember which trail that they were on. I want to say it might have been either Airline or Larkin, mm-hmm. or maybe actually, no, it was the Windsor Locks Canal. Someone had sent in a picture saying that they just kind of on their walk, they saw like it was nature all around them and yeah. they weren't expecting it. So I think that's something, you know, each each person's perspective, 
um, the day that they go out, the weather. I think that's the mm-hmm. best part because everybody kind of puts their own view on it. And I think that's kind of yeah. the best part of it. And I love, love, love to like look at all the pictures at the end because everybody kind of submits in the past. Some sent it mm-hmm. to snail mail. Some made like a photo album. Others submitted it through me in email and now going to the Google form. But it's nice to kind of see everybody in that aspect. So myself and a couple of staff will go through each and every submittal, um, just kind of taking a look and being like, wow, that's such a great picture. It looks like they had such a good time together yeah. or, Hey, they, you know, showed us the picture they found, you know, whatever it might be. So I think it's perspective is probably the the, the best part of mm-hmm. kind of the program in general to kind of see everybody's ideas and interest and, you know, what they submit to us in the end is, is the fun part. Yeah. That's cool. You, you, we, before you talked about when you're planning some of these things, think about what, what restaurant you might want to go to after you get some lunch or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of cool to think about that, you know, these parks are also kind of generating income into some of these communities and bringing people mm-hmm. from out of state in. And, you know, mm-hmm. while you're exploring all the parks, you're also exploring some cool towns across the state. That's. Yeah. Yeah. And I think most people don't realize, you know, we like to say it's within 15 minutes of where you live or where you are. There's a Parker Forest. Mm-hmm. So pretty much we have so many of them, you know, until probably sometimes you're looking because before, you know, I've been with these for a long time. But prior mm-hmm. to kind of coming up to state parks, like I knew about a lot of the parks. I hadn't been to everyone and still to this day, I hope, you know, eventually I'll get to every single one in some aspect. I've yeah. been to different parks for different reasons. But, you know, it's nice to kind of see a new area, a new location. And then with that kind of what the local um, town or city is like, you know, outside mm-hmm. of that trail as you're driving going, oh, that's cool. You know, maybe someone's into gardening or plants. So, oh, there's a nice farm stand over here or an ice cream shop or overlook, or maybe there's a farm, you know, just something mm-hmm. there. Cause I think everybody is different who you're going with, what you're looking for. Maybe you only have an hour, maybe you have a whole day. So some people like to truly plan the most with their time for that particular day that they're going out to the, the park or the location. Oh, that's very cool. As this episode is airing, um, we're actually finding ourselves between Earth Day and Arbor Day. Um, do you guys have mm-hmm. any programs or events, or did you for Earth Day, or will you coming up for Arbor Day? Oh, gosh. Um, so I specifically attended one uh, this past weekend at downtown Thomaston. So it was the mm-hmm. first annual kind of Earth Day event with their um, Arts Commission. So it was a fun day, a little overcast mm-hmm. in the morning, but to meet some great um, new people. I know... Um, This coming weekend, I believe it's on Sunday, um, the um, People State Forest, um, in partnership with uh, Friends of American Legion and People Mm -hmm. State Forest, they have their, I believe it's their eighth annual um, Barkhamstead Nature Day. Uh, So that'll be Sunday from 1230 to 5 over in the Maddie's Grove area. Um, I know last week, gosh, a lot of our deep people um, participated in different programs. I think it was the mm-hmm. Insonia Nature Center. So they had a big program. And those are the ones that just kind of come to mind right now that I was either yeah. specifically involved with or I knew some friends that were there. But there were so many different programs, I'm sure, deep as a whole that was involved with that I'm mm-hmm. not even aware of. But a lot of our um, education and outreach folks uh, were doing things. I know um, Ranger Russ down at Hammond Asset. Um, Makes Point Nature Center. They did a big beach cleanup. Just kind of ones that kind of come to mind. But you know, mm-hmm. definitely our education outreach staff is very engaged and very involved. And I'm anticipating there's probably some Arbor Day programs coming up, especially with our um, deep forestry folks. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I wish I had you know kind of a list of those to share with everybody. But um, a lot of it too is just kind of working with the local um, towns, cities, mm-hmm. municipalities, just to kind of 
engage and partner yeah. um, with a lot of upcoming programs. Yeah, and you, you mentioned some of the arts councils and towns. How important are some of those partnerships with towns and other organizations? Is that a big part of getting these programs off the ground? Um, especially for the programs that I run, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, in general, we're looking more and more to partner with different folks because I think in general, whether it's on their side or our side, resources are always um, much less than they used to be. So staffing, mm-hmm. support, um, interest. So as, as often as we can, we can partner locally or with those councils or with outside groups, um, nonprofits or businesses. Um, we tend to do that, especially the other program that I run is called the No Child Left Inside program. Mm-hmm. It's been around for 18 years. Um, it's all free programming in our parks and forests, you know, getting, okay, families yeah. and whatever that family unit is to out into our parks to learn about um, kind of outdoor recreation opportunities, mm-hmm. fishing, boating, camping, wildlife, those type of things. So for my program to run, we rely uh, very much so on our partnerships mm-hmm. with our kind of internally and externally. So for example, on our first event that we'll be hosting is on May 13th is our free family fishing day okay. in partnership with our deep fisheries division and especially uh, specifically our fish with care group. So basically Anybody is welcome to attend it. It's nine to three at Wartenbrook State Park in Wallingford. Mm-hmm. So basically, you just come out. We have fishing poles, bait, instructors, mm-hmm. um, and a bunch and of kind of other free, activities. Or? It's free. Yep. So, oh, that's awesome. Yep, absolutely. Everything is free. So um, working on the website now to kind of get that up and running. But um, we typically over the years have called it the Great Park Pursuit. But we're kind of switching up the name a little bit, kind of refreshing it and calling it Families in the Park Program 2023. Okay. So that information, I believe it's May 1st, will be kind of going out in the press release, kind of it's open to anybody. So it's kind of free events that are across the state. So we'll have a fishing days, boating days, so many different things, pop-up events. So, so people um, can look up Families in the Park program and, and f- after May 1st yep. and find a whole and list everything of will be there. Very yep. cool. And uh, in the process now of updating the nochildleftinside.org uh, website. So mm-hmm. everything will be on there. So it'll be a laundry list of programs that kind of start in May and end in December. So some kind of are consistent mm-hmm. weekly, others are kind of monthly, others are kind of some pop-up events that we'll just yeah. be going to and kind of putting it out there. We're trying to do um, a lot of sharing on our Deep State Parks Instagram, our Deep State Parks uh, Facebook page, mm-hmm. and then kind of our other outlets in there, kind of our partners, the municipalities, um, you know, that's the best part, getting to work with a lot of groups, yeah. um, you know, and kind of sharing their knowledge, their information, the people that they have working for them, you know, work so well with us. So we're so thankful for those ongoing partnerships and, mm-hmm. and programs that we have with all these folks. That's cool. Uh, the, the No Child Left Inside, you said you, you work with them. Are there No Child Left Inside programs in other states too? Or is that uh, a homegrown Connecticut kind of thing? Yep. Um, it's, we have our specific to Connecticut, you know, I can't mm-hmm. talk for the, the rest of the, we have the like country, but definitely similar, yep, kind of similar programs kind of through across the country. Um, you know, and there's, uh, there's some other legislation going on now to kind mm-hmm. of continue the, the No Child Left Inside program as a whole in providing, um, monies for education mm-hmm. and specifically with schools and communities, um, to kind of getting people outdoors. So we're yeah. kind of ahead of it here in Connecticut because we have, um, you know, with our education outreach group and, and the different, you know, education branches kind of within the agency, we're doing our best to continue mm-hmm. that, uh, continually educate, share, promote um, kind of the environmental stewardship with a variety of programs. And and in turn, kind of the programs, at least the No Child Left Inside and the Sky's the Limit, we're trying to, it's free programming, so we're kind of getting it out there, just kind of engaging 
um, people of all ages, especially mm-hmm. the families. Um, the No Child has always kind of catered to the families to kind of yeah. introduce them to the outdoors, getting them comfortable with it, um, kind of sharing our knowledge with mm-hmm. them, and then in turn hoping that they have a fun, great day. Maybe they'll recreate it on their own yeah. next week, next month, or next year. Yeah. 18 years has been going on. I imagine at that point, have you seen like some people that are returned that come to it year after year, or even yeah. some people that were kids when they first did it and now brought their kids? Have you seen mm-hmm. any of that kind of stuff going on? Yeah, it's, 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 um, that's the wonderful part. So I've been involved for about seven, eight years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but prior to that, we have, you know, one family and I hope they don't mind me mentioning their name, but the forensic family, they have been involved from day one. So inception of the program in about 18 years. So they started bringing their niece who's mm-hmm. now married um, and they bring their twins oh, with so them cool. now. So they've been coming with what are the twins seven ish, I think. Yeah. Um, so they've been coming. So we kind of started with that and they've kind of been with our program from day one. We've had other families that, you know, the kids have kind of grown out of the program, come back to volunteer to help. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still working on, you know, a couple couple of the other kids that have now since graduated are now working for us as seasonals and in some other jobs. So it's yeah. wonderful to kind of see where everybody started and mm-hmm. to where they are now and just kind of the support and the love and uh, those that come back to volunteer just because they had a good time or just kind of to sharing kind of what they've learned and what they yeah. were involved with. It's, you know, for me, that's the best part, not knowing, you know, a lot of these families from mm-hmm. day one, but they're still coming back. Um, a lot of families too, their kids are, 16, 17, 18, they'll still show up for, for example, a boating day because the kids, families, grandparents, whomever it is, mm-hmm. come out, they're like, we wouldn't miss this. We get to go out, yeah. you know, do a little education. We get to go to the canoe, the kayak, the paddleboard. So it's just wonderful, the kind of community of folks that have been there from the from day one that have kind of mm-hmm. followed us through, have come back to help. Um, it, you know, that's, I'm so thankful for what I get to do every day um, and kind of getting people to get outside and, and learn and enjoy what's out there. And then, you know, at the same time, realize, Hey, you can do this on your own in a state park or forest. So you can go to your local land trust or maybe your local park and do all these things as well. One of the programs that at least I've seen kind of have a a big impact in our, our parks in recent years has been the passport to the parks program which lets mm-hmm. all Connecticut residents uh, go to our state parks for free. I, I, at least I've seen, I think, an increase in attendance, but is that bearing through in the numbers? Or have you guys seen a big influx since that program started? I, I think, yes. I wish I had some kind of concrete numbers to share yeah. with you with that, but absolutely. So, you know, if Connecticut resident, you have your, you know, you pay a registration fee, it allows mm-hmm. you to get in kind of free of charge. We have to remind a lot of the Connecticut folks like, you know, some might be folks that, you know, stay part of the, the time, you know, in another state. But it's like mm-hmm. when you come into our parks, you got to have your, um, you know, make sure you come and, you know, have your car with the Connecticut license plate on it. Mm-hmm. But, yes, I definitely think that's been a, um, you know, definitely increased kind of visitorship, yeah. um, if you will. We've always had, you know, certain parks, as you know, Hammond Asset, Dinosaur State Park, mm-hmm. the um, Shoreline Park, Squantan. There's certain areas that always are um, have a regular influx and inundation of people yeah. because they're wonderful places, but a lot of our smaller parks too are starting to see kind of an increase because folks mm-hmm. are like, Oh, well, this one would be too busy, but Hey, right down the road is park or forest X, Y, or Z. So why don't we go check that out? So I think definitely passport to the parks, that program as a whole, um, has definitely kind of increased our, um, or the ability for, you know, folks to get outside and not having to pay a parking fee, you know, granted those that are out of state still are required to pay a parking Mm -hmm. fee. um, But 
again, you know, obviously we're encouraging, you know, people to come out in Connecticut from other states as well to kind of enjoy um, the wonderful resources that, you know, Connecticut has with all of our state parks and forests. And let me ask you, do you have a favorite state park or forest that you've visited or would like to visit or, you know, I will go like with, in, I will go with from my hometown, I will say Lover's Leap. I grew up okay. in Milford and, and Lover's Leap is a nice combination of topography with the cliffs mm -hmm. and the river, but also there's a lot of yep. history up there. Yep. So exactly. that'll, that'll be my voice. Everyone should go check out Lover's Leap in New Milford. Okay, that's perfect. That was, I think we had that, oh goodness, three years ago. It was one of our sky's the limit, um, you know, hiking challenges. I want to say it was three years ago. I could be wrong, but I know it was in the past couple of years. And um, it's definitely a great spot. It's New Milford. Um, yep. That if you haven't been out there, I definitely agree. Got to get up there and check it out. Yes, New Milford up, not not Milford on the coast, everybody, in case you don't know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you definitely got to distinguish that. You are listening to The Municipal Voice on WNHH 103.5 FM. What are some of the other highlights or challenges that you see coming up for deep uh, in the summer months? You know, it, it's a big part, I imagine. The summer season is, is kind of go time in a lot of ways mm -hmm. for you guys. What do, what do you think yep. coming up for the summer? Another incredibly busy summer, but rewarding summer, I think, mm -hmm. for all of us involved that, you know, work in the state parks and forests, knowing um, we're always looking for staff, seasonals, mm -hmm. um, seasonal resource assistance. And so, so there's a call out for, is there a call out for lifeguards for this year? Yeah, and thank you. Yeah. That was my next point. You know, definitely lifeguards. So um, if you want to go to um, the Department of Administrative Services website, so look for kind of a state job posting mm -hmm. uh, for Connecticut Deep. There's a laundry list um, there um, as well. So we're always kind of looking for new great people to kind of join mm -hmm. um, join Deep as a whole. And, you know, I'll specifically talk for State Parks and Forest, especially from the lifeguards to seasonal resource assistance to campground attendants to maintainers, uh, you know, a little bit of everything. So yeah. um, definitely anybody that has interest in that, um, we're looking and we'd love for you to come work for us. And uh, there's quite of uh, opportunity in terms mm -hmm. of the different parks and, and locations that are looking. Um, so I think with that, it's just, you know, each summer, um, you know, weather conditions are what they are. So if we have mm -hmm. an incredibly beautiful summer, people will be out there already. As we know, was it two weeks ago, we had 90 degree weather. Mm -hmm. um, there was a picture that I saw one of the, the park staff had shared at Rocky Neck. The beach was packed and people were in the water. Yeah. The water was probably yeah. about 50 degrees, a little too chilly to go in. But, um, you know, I think it's one of those, the balance that it's just mm. um, the demand, the the beautiful outdoor spaces that we have, um, doing our best to kind of continue to maintain that, yeah. um, to, you know, make it um, an enjoyable and an inviting place for anybody coming in. Uh, lots of programs that we'll be offering kind of at our park and forest locations, yeah. our nature centers, museums, uh, majority of those kind of open back up, if you will, for the season, mm -hmm. Memorial Day weekend. Uh, for example, Gillette Castle opens back up, mm -hmm. Fort Trumbull uh, State Park in New London opens back up. Um, trying to think offhand, you know, a lot of the other nature centers, we've yeah. Dinosaur State Park is always, it's basically so open year with, with indoor uh, attraction things open. to see. and Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so you're kind of indoor-outdoor space. So all these locations have, you know, great indoor spaces. Some have, you know, museum or nature center, and others have just great trails. Mm -hmm. uh, Putnam Memorial um, up there, they have a wonderful visitor center. I think it's a Shinipset State Forest. They have the CCC mm -hmm. Museum. Um, so there's so many opportunities for people to get yeah. inside if they want to learn a little history or 
um, do some activities. But I will say our deep calendar of events is probably mm-hmm. the best place for um, anybody interested to go look to see what type of programming we have yep. going on regularly. Um, you know, as um, education outreach staff, we're putting kind of our programs up there mm-hmm. regularly, as well as the rest of the agency. We're trying to utilize that main calendar for anybody looking. And that's on hey, the website. It's yep. So if you just um, yep, the Connecticut Deep Calendar of Events. Mm-hmm. Um, you go right up there, and it should have everything listed by day, by week, by month. Um, you know, with that too, you know, our boating division always has great programs that are going on the, to sign up for um, boating safety classes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's so much out there. It depends on kind of what you're interested in, especially yeah. too. I, I can't forget to, to plug our Fish with Care folks. They're doing um, weekly, during the weekend, weekend fishing events mm-hmm. um, kind of all over the state. So another great thing to do, but it's just, there's so much to offer. There's not enough time to kind of um, mention it all, but I think there's, um, if you're interested in something, you know, it's out there. It probably just depends on what park or forest that you're willing to drive to or go to, but check that calendar. There's probably something going on. There's probably something going on. And if it's not up there right now, it will be very shortly. And with that too, I know with our programs, we're going to do some kind of pop-up events where we'll just, you know, probably go to one of the parks that's kind of a, some lesser known and then some mm-hmm. more popular ones and kind of do some what we're calling pop-up events that we just show up and, you know, kind of around the folks and um, interest the families, the kids and some outdoor activities, scavenger hunts, challenges, um, just some fun things to do um, while people are out and about kind of a quick thing yeah. where, you know, you can grab that scavenger hunt, go do your thing um, with the family and, and check out some um, great places and come back and see us uh, generally for a little prize, a sticker, just something to kind of something different for folks. But um, yeah, in general, I think it's going to be a, a wonderful summer coming up, very busy, um, hoping the weather cooperates that yeah. we see the nice balance of kind of nice weather, some rain as we need it, you know, had some great thunderstorms the other night. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. I was not expecting, expecting those so, so soon, but yeah. I think in general, the, we'll be ready for uh, the summer season. We're, we're already there. Some of the couple of the campgrounds, I think maybe open or opening very mm-hmm. soon. So camping will be another um, very busy year. Uh, yeah. the, the park supervisors, the staff, the campground staff there, if they're not ready, they're getting there um, in the process of getting everything set and ready to go. Very cool. Uh, you mentioned bef- before that, you know, the other day some people were swimming, which, you know, I also think that's a little bit crazy, but um, yeah. it was warm enough. And, you know, if anyone was planning on doing a lot of ice skating this last winter, they were probably out of luck in Connecticut. Has unpredictability and climate change had to impact your schedules at all? Have you had to consider that, you know, in Um, a winter you might not have ice based activities and things like that? It's a perfect question um, for me to answer right now. Absolutely. Yes. And I can specifically speak from my own experience back Mm -hmm. in February. Um, So we do what's called the winter festival that we hold it every year Mm -hmm. at Burpond state park in Torrington. So with COVID, obviously it was a kind of a a mute point. We didn't do it for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And then last year, so not in 23 in 22, we had to actually cancel it. And we have never done that in 20 some odd years. The ice, it, it was kind of rain, then it snowed, then it iced like it was an ice parking lot from the top of the parking lot at Burpon. So you would have literally mm-hmm. just said it would have been a sheet of ice. So for safety perspective, for all involved, we literally had to cancel it. We've never, yeah. ever had to do that. So what we've done kind of we're building in almost like rain dates, weather dates. Mm-hmm. So for this particular year, um, it's typically, <laughs> it had always been held on the first Saturday in February, our winter festival event at Burpon. This year, we had to do a backup date of Sunday the 5th, mm-hmm. because on the 4th, it was uh, 25 below. Um, that Oof. day. So you can't expect anybody, you know, staff, yeah. 
um, visitors, anybody to come out. It wasn't safe. So I think in general, um, we're seeing kind of whether it be program-wise, weather-wise, park-wise, we're definitely seeing some changes and differences. You know, some of it could be climate change. Some could just be weather. Some could be just conditions. You know, even mm-hmm. too that, look, we're seeing the tick population. I don't think it got cold enough for many of them to kind of go Get frozen the over the process. winter, yeah. But at the same time, there's so many different environmental factors that we're kind of all learning about as we go. You know, mm-hmm. and I can speak specifically for the programs that I run, but if you had one of the wildlife biologists or the someone from the bear program or, you know, someone else, they may have their own perspective on it. And I mm-hmm. think for all of us, we're all noticing and recognizing things, just saying, huh, okay. So now kind of factoring that into how we plan things, when we plan things, a lot of my events are generally rain or shine, unless there's say a, a hurricane or something that's mm-hmm. coming through or some really unsafe conditions, say from thunderstorms, but, you know, generally kind of safety is of our, um, the most important thing kind of across the board. So definitely environmental factors, climate change, you name it, we've probably seen it or yeah. will see it. And it just depends on which deep personnel <laughs> you're talking to and what the program is or what, what they're kind of in charge of or responsible for. And they can give you probably a very different perspective mm-hmm. on that. You know, especially to the going back to kind of the cold water safety, knowing, mm-hmm. you know, at this time of year, you sh- should be wearing, it's required that you wear your life jacket. You know, yeah. it might look like a beautiful day, but the water is very cold and God forbid, you capsize or something yeah. happens, you want to have your personal flotation device on, you want to be safe, you, yeah. again, you want to have that float plan, you want people to know where you are, where you're going, when you expect to be back, because if you're not, that's when, you know, people need to start thinking about that and saying, okay, I haven't heard from Kristen, where is she? Mm-hmm. But yeah, so for that, that's my kind of long-winded answer, but I think it's based on perspective and who you yeah. talk to and, and what program um, that you're talking specifically to. And kind of lastly, we always like to look forward with with the last question. Are you optimistic about the future of Connecticut State Parks? Absolutely. I think, you know, we have wonderful resources, wonderful staff, um, programs, so much to offer. We just want to be able to kind of share our love, our knowledge, our parks, our forests with with the Connecticut public and those kind of from out of state, you know, always looking, um, at least for my purpose, to get feedback, whether it's positive, negative, somewhere in between, that we can only make programs better with information and knowledge from those kind of participating in them and knowing, excuse me, that sometimes we have to vary the program. Sometimes it's in person, sometimes it's online. Some people, you know, we've learned that through COVID that at least from the education outreach side of things, we're reaching different groups of people. But again, for me, it's not the same. You know, I'd much rather be in person talking to people, you know, doing programming. Um, But I think in general, our parks, we're ready. We're Mm -hmm. looking forward to kind of the, the, the summer months coming up and then kind of came into fall and winter. Um, definitely a lot uh, available for people to do. Um, it doesn't, it, the parks are open all year. Mm-hmm. So it's winter, spring, summer, or fall. So there's something going on every type of the year. So if you're not a fisherman, you're not a swimmer, you're not a boater. Well, there's other things you can do. There's hunting, there's archery, there's other inland type things that you yeah. can do recreationally. You can, you know, can hike, you can walk, you can just picnic, you can visit one of the nature centers, museums, mm-hmm. you can just kind of whatever your interest is, our different parks and forests, there's so many of them, yeah. you'll be able to find one that kind of suits your, your needs, your family's needs, what you're looking to do in any particular day. Sounds awesome. Well, my hiking shoes are laced up and ready to go for this summer. Kristen, thank you so much okay. for speaking with us awesome. today about our state parks. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, look forward to um, seeing everybody out in the parks and at, you know some of our future Skies the Limit programs and uh, No Child Left Inside programs. 
We'd like to thank our guests, Kristen Bellantuono of the Connecticut Department of Environmental Protection. We'd like to thank our sponsors at Gateway Community College and Housatonic Community College. Learn more at gatewayct.edu and housatonic.edu. The Municipal Voice is a co-production by CCM and WNNHH, 103.5 FM. Kevin Maloney is our executive producer. Christopher Gilson is our producer. Kevin draws on the boards, and I'm Matt Ford, your host. Be sure to check out our Facebook page and give us a like, and watch out for our CCM chat series on our YouTube page.